and explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna-Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, hone your message, and make an impact on the world. Today's episode is brought to you by these three words, rugged, resourceful, and resilient, which my two guests for this episode, the legendary producers Ronnie Selig and Marcy Mulet, say are the three R's required to build a sustainable and successful career. Rugged means being able to withstand difficult terrain like the rough and stormy world of media. Resourceful means being able to deal skillfully and promptly with the situation, creatively working within budget, making a winning dish out of the random items in your basket. And resilient, one of our favorite words here at Camera Ready and Able, means being able to withstand and quickly recover, to spring back into shape after being bent or stretched out of shape, and keep going. Ronnie and Marcy are the principals in Ronmar Studios, an innovative company working on long-form documentaries, reality programming, digital campaigns, and live streams, including musical performances. Ronnie is a multi-Emmy award-winning producer whose credits span from Good Morning America to CNN, where she spent a decade as the executive producer for chief medical correspondent, Dr. Sanjay Gupta, and she most recently launched a new digital platform for the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Marcy is also a multi-Emmy award-winning producer known for the hit series, Kathy Griffin, My Life on the D-List, as well as numerous shows for Bravo, Lifetime, TLC, Food Network, MTV, and PBS, including The Real Housewives of Atlanta, The A-List New York, and Love and Hip Hop Miami. Welcome, Ronnie and Marcy. You two have a lot of Emmys. (laughs) We do, which is a great thing. Pretty awesome. Pretty (laughs) awesome. And um, for anyone listening and can't see video, I can see Emmys right now in the, in the video. That's <laughs> Those are the Kathy Griffin Emmys right there behind me. <laughs> Congratulations. That's well earned. That's pretty exciting. So I have to say, first of all, it's thrilling to have you two on. I have worked with you individually over the years in your prior production world. So it's just such a pleasure. And so thanks for being here. But I also love these three words, rugged, resourceful, and resilient. So I want to ask you individually and collectively, how did you come to learn the value of these words? Barb, it's so nice to see you. Thank you, dear. Ronnie, you've always you've always used those words. You even used them once with my um, son when we were visiting you and you were telling him about you know, how you had to be, you were going through some changes and he always remembered those three words as well, which are kind of great to tell to a young teenager who's got, you know, their life ahead of them. But certainly your definition, um, Barbara, uh, was spot on because you do have to be rugged to just sort of, this is a very physical business. You know, uh, I started out as a field producer really. So I was traveling a lot and in the field and on location and climbing mountains and going under bridges and doing whatever we had to do to get the shot. And then, of course, producers have to be resilient and and resourceful because, you know, this this industry bounces us around, you know, uh, quite a bit. But I think Ronnie has a, a even a bigger sense of the word rugged because she's actually not just a television producer. She's a triathlete and an Iron Man triathlete, I must say, an Iron Woman. <laughs> so you're really rugged. She's much more rugged than I am. I really want to focus on the word rugged for a minute because people don't understand how much stamina it takes to be talent. Until you said that, Marcy, I never thought about it. It's so true how much stamina it takes to be a producer and the physical takes a lot of stamina to be a chef. We just forget stamina is important. I'm going to throw that into the mix. But so now it's your turn, Ronnie. Talk to us about uh, rugged, you iron person. 
producer you? Well, um, I fell into the Iron Man world by accident. And uh, when I did my first race, which was not an Iron Man, I uh, just fell in love with the sport. And what I like about the sport, which basically, um, you know, is parallel to the career track that I chose, is that our, you are kind of your own personal control freak. <laughs> you know, you have these three disciplines, you know, swimming, biking, and running. And it is really up to you to push yourself to the extent that you can and want to. And with all your gear and all your training and everything that goes into it, it is under your control to a certain extent. And that builds this ins really insane um, endurance. And being in the business that we have chosen, you need a lot of endurance. I mean, I cannot tell you how many shoots or stories or locations I've been on where we didn't sleep for at least three nights in a row. You know, we would go 72 hours without sleeping, breaking news and whatnot. And you really do have to, you can't just be awake, you have to be alert. And I think that what the uh, endurance sport of triathlon and doing long distance races really gave me in, you know, when I started in my forties in, in this discipline, in this sport, um, it gave me this whole other level of energy and um, getting up at 4.30 in the morning to train for year after year after year, at least 15 years when I was living in New York City, it really just was a great training for the business. So um, I don't mean that everybody needs to be an Ironman, but um, for me and my personality and channeling my extra energy, it's really given me a lot of discipline. Love that we're adding these extra words that we haven't thought about, but the endurance component, discipline, and then also something you just said, Ronnie, is we, we don't get to just be awake for three days. You have to be present and and productive during that time when you're working in production. And I remember being, you know, just a pup at VH1 back in the 90s, and we did overnight edits because we saved money that way, right? We were being resourceful in order to create... But funny enough, there's such happy memories because I loved the people we were with. There was such an esprit de corps. There was always like, you know, unlimited amounts of, you know, peanut M&Ms and things to like keep you going overnight. Anyway, so I just want to go back to that ruggedness, that discipline and the idea that it, it forces, requires us, I should say, to be present. So, you know, keep going with that because it's, I, I still want to say, no one's ever thought about it, but like it's, there's a rugged terrain. Yeah. When, uh, we did a story a couple years back when I was a senior executive producer for Sanjay at CNN. We did a, a, a it was actually a documentary. It was um, called Saving the Twins. And it was about these beautiful boy uh, brothers conjoined, craniopagus means conjoined at the head. And the uh, doctors in charge at Montefiore Hospital in Bronx were going to make an attempt to separate them. And this particular doctor, Dr. James Goodrich, had been probably one of the most notable and more, most experienced doctors, surgeons, neuro, neurosurgeons who had done these separations. And talk about, you know, endurance and resilience. I mean, these guys had to stay awake for 27 hours on their feet doing surgery. And we were there with 360 cameras, with crews inside the operating room, and we were up for days. Uh, and then after the surgery, we had to quickly turn around the story for air. So that was another day. 
And so it must, I think it was at least three nights that we did miss sleep and it turned out to be the most unbelievable um, experience and the story that we brought to the world, which turned into a long form documentary as we followed the twins who did survive the surgery. It was very close, you know, in that regard. I mean, they got to uh, some places in the surgery where they didn't really know what to do, but they were able to get around these surgical um, issues and um, and I remember thinking, you know, you've trained for this. And and so now you're here and we, you know, sitting in an edit room and having to be sharp and having to remember what you saw because you didn't have time to screen all the footage. There's no time for that. It was literally take notes when you're in the operating room, get into the edit room and go. And those are the kinds of like you're saying with your VH1 memories, those are the kind of memories that stick with you for the rest of your life. And Hopefully they're, they're very, very good memories. You know, Ronnie and I met in Boston in 1986. Um, we were both working for um, local channel there. Um, what was it, Ronnie? WHDH. WHDH or NEV. Now it's HDH. Then it was NEV. Yeah, NEV. NEV. So I'm sorry. So Ronnie and I met back in 1986 in Boston at WNEV television, the CBS affiliate in Boston at the time. And I remember you, Ronnie, I remember just seeing you fly through the hallways. You always had like three people following you and a clipboard. And, you know, you were just this, like this, this thing that was just moving around all the time. And I was like, who is that? You know? And it was totally like, wow, she's so cool. And she's so busy. And, and, you know, she's doing like 50 things. And, you know, we were young in our careers then. Right. So we became fast friends, you know, in Boston and we've been like dear friends ever since. And um, even though you know she moved to New York, I moved to Hartford. Then I finally came to New York and there was Ronnie. Once again, I was working on a nationally syndicated television show called Preview. Um, it was on the air for six months and then it got canceled. And then this is my first job in New York City. So now I'm out, just jumped off the cliff without a parachute, right? And there's Ronnie once again, staffing up a show at Lifetime. And she scooped up a whole bunch of us um, onto a, a new show there. And, you know, we pro- probably got another, you know, year out of, uh, of uh, working, you know, and as a freelancer, if you got a year of work ahead of you, you're good. So Ronnie's always been, uh, you know, I've always looked looked at Ronnie as being somebody who who was all those three R's, you know, um, rugged, resourceful, and resilient. And here we are now, after many years of both of us working in our careers, coming together as Ron Mar Studios. And I don't want to cry on a podcast, but I can't tell you how. Um, how just honored I am to be in this position to work with somebody like Ronnie, who has had just an amazing career and I bring what I bring. Um, and I feel, I feel like I've had an amazing career as well. Um, and now to, to the two of us are going to take what we have together and go try to make an impact out there and we'll see how we do. I can't imagine that we can't do great things together. Mm. Honestly, oh, I love that's that. so nice. <laughs> Got me choked up. <laughs> well, obviously, Barb, the feeling is mutual because you know we have complementary skills. Barb, we uh, she had her own company, and it was something that I said I would never fucking do. I would never start my own company. It was just a layer of complication that was just too hard for me, and I 
I, you know, I put everything into all my, my various positions. And I just thought, I can't even imagine having to do all of the business aspects on top of this without an executive in charge of production and, you know, having to do that myself. And I, Marcy does it all. And so we wouldn't have a company if it wasn't for Marcy, frankly, that's the truth. Well, I believe you, but um, I also want to say thank you because that was one of my next questions because partnering is wonderful, but it's also challenging in a bunch of different ways. It's being in a, um, it's truly a work marriage. So I wanted to ask you about your individual strengths. Like how do you identify along with the three R's of Ron Mar Studio, what are um, your individual strengths and how do they play together? So one we know now is that Marcy is the executive in charge of production. And yes, and I, I'm the PA. I go to the uh, I go to the post office all the time, and Marcy's doing all the billing and the invoicing, and I'm like running for props and catering. But I I think our individual talents. I mean, what is so cool is that I have spent so much time in editorial and you know writing and writing and writing and um and managing. Um, and ideating ideas and concepts and formats and all of that for all the various people I, you know, I, I, I worked for. And, and from what, you know, from when Marcy and I started working together, I mean, Marcy is a production animal. I mean, she can direct, she can produce, she can light, she can edit, she can do all of those things on top of being a great writer. So we have these two various above the line and below the line skill sets and where we come together, we come together as writers. So the most fun we have is when we're on shared Google Docs and we are writing together. We wrote this whole, you know, this huge PSA campaign that um, launched uh, during COVID. It's seen all over the country on local stations and, and the network. CBS aired them on the network and um, they were called um, Unite to Prevent. We did it with a 501c3 foundation, uh, not-for-profit, and we got to create these from from whole cloth, from nothing. And uh, it was really a special experience, not to mention they've seen been seen over 750 million times and hopefully have saved some lives, which is really important. But it's so cool how we know what each other's skill sets are and we can pick up the slack, and but yet we, we, you know, there's almost an unspoken language about this partnership. And I don't, I can't imagine any other person that would put up with my shenanigans and what I don't know, uh, especially when it comes to technology, than Marcy. <laughs> well, you know, what's really great is we had one of our associate producers who worked with us, paid us the, the biggest compliment. And she said, you know, you guys almost like share a brain. Like you, you look at something and you both have, uh, you, you instinctively have almost the same thoughts about it, but yet you have, you both bring something a little bit different to the table. And so the, the new word I want to throw into the mix is trust. And Mm -hmm. I trust Ronnie's creative instincts and she trusts mine. So there's no arguing over anything. It's like, you know what, you really think that works, then it works. You know, you know, it's like, there's no reason to have to go back and forth. I don't know. And if we don't agree, you know, on those rare, then we talk it through and we come up with what's going to be the best thing for the story that we're trying to tell or the, the content that we're creating. But 
we've both had, we've both been around the block so many times and, you know, in those edit rooms and long nights and, you know, putting the best foot forward and working for big people like Bravo and CNN. And, you know, we know how to make the product the best that it could be, but it really does come down to, you know, trusting each other and trusting our own instincts. So if we can't do that at this point in our careers, then what could we do? You know? So that's, that's the new word I want to throw into the mix is trust. Yeah. Oh, thank you. That's, that is an underrated word in the space and how important that is. As you as you said that Marcy was going through my head, how important it is to, you know, from my position to be able to trust the network or trust, you know, trust the opinions of people above, trust people to execute, trust people to be good to their word and the integrity. And then when you have that, it's such a palpable feeling. And you're right. I don't think we ask ourselves that enough. We look at budgets or opportunity. I meant the sparkly stuff, which is really easy to get distracted by and miss um, the heart and soul stuff that really matters. So how does this inform now your work at Ron Mar Studios? Like, how does this inform choices you make around content? How are ways, especially creating a business during the pandemic, I think is when you partnered, correct? Or had mm-hmm. you started before? Right. So it, it tapped into a certain kind. Well, that was rugged terrain to begin with. Um, the media business is in such crazy, I don't know if the free fall is the exact word, but maybe it's very volatile right now. And then on top of it, the need to be resourceful. So it's curious out of all of those dive in anywhere where like that's really shown up for you too since starting well, your we'll company. move to the next word for me, which is resourceful. And, you know, here I was, um, you know, having left CNN and I, I took a short stint uh, to kind of take a break from TV and um, was an executive director for a not-for-profit called Parents Against Vaping E-Cigarettes. And uh, I'd never been an executive director, but I figured it out. And I worked for these amazing women for PAVE, Parents Against Vaping E-Cigarettes. And um, they gave me the opportunity. And during that time when the pandemic hit, I got a call from my old boss at CNN, John Klein, who originally hired me to be you know, head of the health and wellness medical unit and said, I have a project and I'd love you to work on it. We want to do a 24 hour nonstop live global you know, streaming event with Tim Shriver and Oprah Winfrey. And um, the call to unite was born. And all of a sudden, we find ourselves in the situation where we are digital streaming um, entrepreneurs. And all of a sudden, we, we are the people who are helping all of these organizations get their content, you know, onto online, onto air, all from our homes. And we figured it out really quickly. And I remember, you know, the night of the, uh, the, the, the um, call to unite where I'm sitting in my den and I've got, you know, my computer up there and I see Oprah Winfrey in this little box. I mean, it was basically a digital um, control room on my computer where I'm like watching everything going on and on comms with the producers in different places all over the country, all over the world. It was, I mean, I get the chills talking about it. It was so fascinating. And that gave us an opportunity to think differently about how content can be distributed. And people needed to need, needed to have content coming. They need, they were stuck now in their homes and they needed content to be constantly coming in. So 
that's when our business was really born. And we got a ch the chance to have a bunch of clients who came forth wanting to have their organizations put on concerts um, virtually and, um, and, and other, you know, other programs. And so we, we were very fortunate that, that this particular um, time in history gave us some creative parameters of which we had to adapt to. And so by being resourceful, you adapt to whatever it is that you are given. And if you don't have those other resources, you use what you have. And that's what we did. And, you know, you have to, and, and you have to be willing to fail, which we certainly are. And we certainly have in our in our careers from time to time. And we take risks. So with being resourceful, you take risks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we we actually did a virtual Rosh Hashanah for an organization called Jubilong, and that that was, I think, the first one, right, Ronnie? Um, and uh, we, you know, we had to get celebrities to do readings and all this, and we put together like an uh, was over an hour, like a ninety minute virtual Rosh Hashanah, which was really fun to work on. We even did a live um, play reading uh, with Judy Gold. So it was just interesting stuff. Like suddenly people had this need, right? And for the Young People's Chorus, we they lost their stage. So we took them out on location on rooftops and in front of Lincoln Center instead of inside of Lincoln Center. And we were out doing the first like COVID safe shoots after the pandemic. Um, and then finally they, they got their stage back. So they kind of don't need us anymore, but it's okay because now we're evolving the business and, you know, we're, we're always trying to find people who have interesting content needs because we really do want to make an impact and move the needle as best as best we can. Um, and by the same token, we're developing, you know, for cable and for the streamers and always looking for interesting talent. And that's why we always call you, you know, and looking for looking to do different things, but not just rely only on, you know, selling shows to cable or the streamers, but also finding interesting little niches where people need creative content. You know, that PSA campaign, the COVID PSA campaign we did for the Cura Foundation was really interesting and fun to do because we suddenly had to write these, you know, 60 second spots, which we don't never really did. And um, and we had a good time doing that and in engaging uh, major celebrities, you know, from Josh Groban to Steve Harvey to uh, the office. the cast. Yeah, we got three people from the office to come back together for a back to the office uh, which is still running now. I mean, you know, there's because people are still going back to the office in some way, shape, or form. So we've been lucky, and now we just have to. So there's another word: you always need a little luck, right? You know, you have to be at the right place in the right room, selling the right idea at the right time. Um, and I know everybody in the industry knows that one for sure. Our bread and butter really is content creation, whether it's content for a television audience. I mean, we obviously are unscripted in terms of, you know, we're not dramatic or comedy writers, you know, that's not, that's not our business, but we do non, we do nonfiction content and whether it be for an organization, like for example, Dr. Sanjay Gupta and his partner, Mark Hodesh have this conference happening on May 31st at the Del Coronado in San Diego called Life Itself. It's their first big health conference. And they called us, um, I don't know, I guess it was last year um, in the summer to come up and come up with ideas to do videos for their conference. And so our videos are now going to be airing on this massive LED wall 
that we're actually going to be able to see in person, which is uh, very fortunate for us with, you know, some of the biggest names. We did a video with, uh, with Tony Fauci. We did a video where Marcy and I had a career high where we directed Brian Grazier and Norman Lear from Norman's house in California. And there we were on Zoom with a camera person there and a, and Mark, the, you know, the, the founder of the organization, and we're giving directions to Norman and Brian and they're saying, was that good enough? Was that a good take? You know, it's it was, in, it was insane. And, you know, when, when would you have ever thought that we would have that opportunity? And it came out so great. People can see all these videos online, by the way. I mean, they're all there. They just have to like Google lifeitself.org. Norman Lear or Fauci or Sanjay, Paul Stamets, the mushroom guy. I mean, Goldie Hawn. We did all these videos we produced for them. And those are the kinds of things that we we love doing in addition to doing the traditional, whether it's reality programming or, or docu-soap kind of programming. Um, and we just finished a conference, a health conference in um, Lake Nona, Florida, for the Tavistock organization, they have something called the Lake Nona Impact Forum. And it's a gathering of all of these incredible people in technology and health and medicine and wellness. And we produced videos for them, but we actually executive produced the whole conference, all the editorial that um, all for all the sessions, the plenary sessions that took place. And you know, that just takes me back to my, you know, my health writing and my medical writing days. And, um, and it was also extremely rewarding. And the people that we got to meet were, were, was unbelievable. So, you know, we're, we, re- we really want to be doing things, like Marcy said, that move the needle, that can help people, help children, help families. You know, I love the health space. It's, um, it's only changing and growing day to day. And, um, and so we, we definitely, if somebody said, you know, well, do you have a specialty? I would definitely say, you know, health content is definitely a specialty of ours. So you talked a lot right there about transferable skills, but the big thing is the fourth R is risk. So you took a risk to decide to step out of your comfort zone and go into business for yourself with a very dear friend, which by the way, is super risky. Friends working together is a risky proposition and you guys are making it work and then leaning into risk by by creating content you knew you were great at creating content and you realize it's the delivery system is not insurmountable that's just about learning some details this is such a powerful message that you're sharing but i love it because many of us shrink from that risk because we don't trust ourselves whatever that is and we say no i don't know that so i'm going to stay in my box i think this is amazing because it's it's so much about the fourth r you take risks so i wonder too if have you ever thought about that consciously and also what it is because often when we the more successful we become it's there's a tendency to become risk averse because it's so much about maintaining right not necessarily growing i don't know if you've experienced that yourselves well i've always been you know a risk taker because i'd rather be I'd rather be in control of, of my life and the way that I work um, than not. I've had I've had a few staff jobs, you know, where I've had to conform, <laughs> um, but the majority of my career has been uh, as a freelancer or a company owner, because without risk, there's there's little, very little reward. And um, I know when I look at um, people up there on on the Oscar stage or the Emmy stage, and um, certainly we've both been there. But, but to look at when you, when you feel so good about completing something and that it is acknowledged by the industry or it's a hit or it's talked about, 
you, none of those things could happen without taking risks and without believing in your own ideas and abilities to um, see it through. And that's what our business is, that we're a bunch of risk takers. We're a bunch of people who have something burning inside of us that we have to get out. And in the meantime, we'll do X, Y, Z to get there. But this, this is what we're made of. I was, when I was a kid, I was writing plays and, and bringing all the kids down, down into my basement. My father was a school teacher, so he used to bring home all these old desks. And I could line them up like a classroom. <laughs> and I'd have play readings for plays that I wrote. <laughs> I don't think they were very good, but <laughs> but that's what I was doing when I was like 10, you know? So it's like, it's when it's in you, it's in you and you can't deny it. So, you know, you might as well have a good time trying. <laughs> that's really funny, Marcy. I never knew that story because when I was 10, I put on, I produced a carnival a Rex Trailer Boomtown Carnival at the end of G Street in Hull, Massachusetts, which is the same street that my husband lived on and told me he remembers coming to my little goofy carnival. And I remember thinking of all the things, all the things I was going to produce for this carnival, the different, the different, like, you know, um, vendor kind of things between the bobbing of the peaches or the apples or the coin toss or whatever. It was very, you know, it was, it was like, it was like, it was a full protection for charity. So that's really funny. Honored that I could have provided a platform to share these stories that are incredible. <laughs> so what, what haven't you done that you want to do? Well, let's see. I think the one that got away from me is um, my grandmother was a uh, survivor of the Armenian genocide. And her story of survival is nothing short of a Dr. Zhivago-esque movie. And um, I wrote a, when I was 20, uh, what was I, 26 or seven, right, right when I moved to Boston, actually, I, I wrote an outline and I heard that Cher was in town and you know, Cher is half Armenian. So I thought, well, maybe she'll make the Armenian movie. And I put it in an envelope and I, delivered it to her hotel. I think she was in town making the, uh, the witches of Eastwick or something like that. Cause it was like the late eighties. And, uh, about two months later, I got a rejection letter <laughs> signed by Cher. <laughs> so she got it, but I guess like, I never, like, I was like, I can't do this. I I'll never make this movie, this movie. Unfortunately, there's been so many more stories, you know, since then. And there's been a few attempts, some, some big, good movies made by our, uh, other Armenians. Um, but I guess I wish I always uh, maybe pushed a little harder on that and learned how to write a screenplay and wrote it. And, uh, you know, it's a daunting task for sure, but people do it, right? I mean, people do it, but then you get wrapped up in your career and you're very busy and you're this and that. It's like, ah, I can't write a screenplay right now. I've got to like get the show on the air tomorrow, you know? So it's not like, it, you know, so, the, but if I could do have a do-over, I would go back to that time and, and stick with it to do it. So that would be, that would be it. That would be my do-over. <laughs> Ronnie, do you have a do-over? Yeah, I think so. But um, I, I don't know where it would have taken me. I think that I might have not have taken as many executive jobs as I had. That those middle management jobs, um, for as much authority that they give you, or they look on the outside looking in, that they have all this glamour or prestige, whatnot, you're not really making anything. You're hiring other people 
to try to execute ideas that either you have or that they have. And I remember at Lifetime, when Marcy brought up the Lifetime, I had my first opportunity to go up the ranks. I was 28 years old, and I had been producing this show called Attitudes uh, on Lifetime, which was, you know, kind of a cultish kind of a hit. Okay, I loved Attitudes. Can we just have a... <laughs> yeah, we have to have an Attitudes moment. When I first moved to New York, I went to a live taping of Attitudes and was like total fangirl. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a great show. I did not create it. I cannot cr- uh, take any credit for creating it, but I I was a producer that came in to maintain it and, and bring it along and hopefully get more viewers. And I remember that my boss at the time, who was the vice president of programming, was leaving and she tapped me to replace her and said, you know, we can find another person to produce attitudes. You know, you need to come into the executive suite and come up with other ideas. And, you know, I mean, I I did, I did all that. But as I went along in my career, I realized that I am definitely a hands-on producer. I like getting my hands dirty. I wasn't joking before when I said, you know, once a PA, always a PA. It doesn't matter what level you are at as an executive producer or senior executive producer. You're not willing to go run and get Regis Philbin coffee, as I oftentimes did for him. God rest his soul. Love that man. It's it's you know, it's part and parcel of digging your digging your heels in and, you know, jumping in with both feet and getting your hands dirty and, and all of that stuff. So I. I, I think that that would have been my, maybe my do-over, that maybe I would have just stuck more to just kept, kept producing and coming up with other ideas or, um, or staying on that track, maybe. Oh, Ronnie, that is, that, that's it. You just summed it up in a nutshell between the two of you of, of what it takes and what it is. And at the heart of all that, there's so much passion that you two have shared today. And, and it's, I think, Marcy, as you described, it's you know the fire in the belly and the stories that you have to get out. I can't thank you enough. This is really great. Any final words? Is there anything I didn't ask that you're dying to share with me? I mean, I think that for me, final words are for people who are thinking about going in the business, just be original and be yourself and trust your instincts and take your, take the risks and um, try to have have your side projects, even if you're fully engaged in a hundred hour work week job, still try to have your side projects that are your passion projects that you might get lucky one day and be able to produce that documentary short. I mean, when I watch the Oscars myself and I see people winning Oscars for documentary shorts, I'm like, oh yes, that is what I want to try to I want to try to get us one of those, but, um, you know, we'll see time will tell, you know, there's lots of time to think about ideas and, and maybe somebody will tap us on the shoulder and say, I have an idea or we'll find a great story and, uh, and we'll be able to bring things to life. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I would like to find a, um, something to do a doc, a doc short, um, that would be fantastic. I, I, I will just say in closing that I'm just not done yet. You know, I'm just, I'm just not done. So there's a lot more stories to tell. There's, there's incredible issues going on right now that I care a lot about. Um, the Equality Act is, is something that I care a lot about. 
where half our country has uh, anti-trans and anti-gay legislation in on the books, I want to do something about that. I, I want to make programming around that. And there are other issues as well that I care a lot about. And I've had fun with the Housewives. I had fun with Kathy Griffin. I had fun with a lot of the shows that we did at Picture This Television. And if I don't do those kinds of shows again, it's okay, as long as I do something in these other realms that makes an impact and that makes a statement and uses the power of the medium to inform or, or you know, entertain or enlighten people. And that's why I am not done. Amen to that. Thank you both so much. And thank you for listening to Camera Ready and Able. Please visit ableintermedia.com and download my free ebook, 12 Tips for Success on Camera. And as always, please be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already.